0: A very warm welcome, everybody. This is Squawk Box. U.S. futures rise ahead of the first trading day of May as investors eye the next batch of earnings and data, while Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen looks to downplay price pressures.
1: I don't believe that inflation will be an issue, but if it becomes an issue, um, we have tools to address it. These are historic investments um, that we need to make our economy productive and Affair.
0: Meanwhile, Warren Buffett warns of inflation risks amid a red-hot U.S. recovery as the Oracle of Omaha reflects on a
2: landmark year in markets. This is not a price-sensitive economy right now in the least, and uh, I don't know exactly how it shows up in different price indices, but there's, there's more inflation going on.
3: Meanwhile, you've got India, I'm afraid, recording its highest daily coronavirus death toll as hospitals continue to be overwhelmed with new cases and still only 2% of the population fully vaccinated. And in deals, private equity giant Apollo eyes Verizon's media assets amid reports a deal worth up to $5 billion could be announced as early as today. All right. Happy Monday, everybody. And if you're watching in the United Kingdom, happy bank holiday. Why are you watching at 6 a.m. in England if you're on a bank holiday? Anyway, good, because it's a great show. Already in Jeff's headlines. What a great debate. Warren Buffett on one side, Janet Yellen on the other. I think this is an amazing conversation. It really goes into what we've been talking about for a very long time. So what did the Treasury Secretary say? Well, Janet Yellen played down concerns that President Joe Biden's massive stimulus plans could overheat the economy. Speaking to CNBC, or big pardon, NBC's Meet the Press, uh, Mrs. Yellen defended the White House's combined $4.1 trillion proposed spending packages. You've got to remember, they've already spent or proposed 1.9 trillion, that one's got through Congress. So 6 trillion in total. And she also talked about the need for higher taxes to pay for this.
1: The spending that's been proposed in the jobs plan and the families plan. It comes into effect um, once the economy is back on track and the spending from the rescue plan that's uh, coming into force and helping us get on track after that stimulus is spent. It's spread out quite evenly over 8 to 10 years. So the boost to demand is moderate, where proposing that the spending be paid for, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't believe that inflation will be an issue, but if it becomes an issue, um, we have tools to address it. These are historic investments mm-hmm. um, that we need to make our economy productive and uh, fair.
0: So there you go, Janet Yellen. And as Steve pointed out, it's very much a case of he says, she says. Uh, Warren Buffett, of course, using this term red hot. Janet Yellen sticking to the line that we've heard from the Federal Reserve that these inflationary pressures will be transitory. I think what was interesting as we came to the close for the month, we actually saw the US markets kind of losing their mojo to the end of the trading month. And of course, there will be those who say, well, it was just position squaring, it was a little bit of end of month choppiness as the fund managers got their books square before we go into the month of May here. But the interesting thing is we have very strong beats from the corporate earnings. I think it's over 80% of the companies from the S&P 500 that have reported so far have actually come out with better earnings than the analysts had expected. Yes, I know what you're going to say. Don't they always do that? They lower the bar and step over it. And then you've got the base effects from the previous uh, period, a year ago, as we were going into the COVID crisis. So yes, yes, yes. Yes, we can take all of that on board, but still we eased back on the throttle to the degree of uh, three quarters of 1% here. Having said all of that, of course, the month end gains were strong. And let me just bingo call the numbers. The S&P was up 5.2%. For the month of April, uh, we saw the Dow up uh, 2.7% and the Nasdaq up 5.4%. So just to make it clear, even as these boards are red here, it was a decent month. Now, let's ask the director, Adam, if he can just flip these boards for us, because I know he's just chatting to the producer in the back here, and I just want to make sure he's listening to what I'm saying. 30 year treasury here, 2.29. Can you believe it? You can have 30 year mortgage money in the United States for 3%. If you are watching in the, in the UK, as Steve says, firstly, yes, what are you doing up? But two, feel jealous because you cannot get anything like that here in the UK, where most fixes on mortgages only run up to about five years. The 10-year Treasury, as we can see, has edged back up through this one-spot-six level. We will watch this closely, because who does the market believe? Warren Buffett, red-hot inflation, or Janet Yellen? It's all transitory. Let's roll the boards again. Let's have a look at the currencies here. Look, the dollar was clinging on to some of the gains it made towards the end of the month here. But we've got a little bit of pushback. Uh, Very modest, though. Becalmed, I would say, these currency markets this morning. And no surprise, maybe, because we've got a lot of markets that aren't playing today. So uh, the uh, UK stock market is closed. Uh, sterling dollar effectively flat the Japanese are on holiday the Chinese are on holiday they're on holiday in Thailand lucky them and you've got a holiday in Vietnam as well so we're probably not going to get a lot of movement in the dong let's uh, flip the wall again one more time okay we'll take a look at the hot board that gives you a good indication of where we are intending to go when the markets open in the United States the indicated open for the Dow Jones up about 119 points So we had some numbers through at the top of the hour from Siemens Healthineers. Let's just give you uh, a few details on this. Uh, The uh, company uh, gave us a second quarter sales number in at 3.965 billion euros. The uh, company's own uh, forecast was 3.874. So they are above their own expectations. Uh, Second quarter adjusted EBIT in at 666 million euros, uh, which is just off the consensus forecast of 698 here, uh, but they are raising the outlook for fiscal year 2021. Let's get to Bernd Montag then, the CEO of Siemens Ears. Bernd, good to have you back with us on the programme. Um, so in spite of um, uh, some misses on these numbers... By and large, I think you've beaten the expectations on the revenue line, but the guidance for full year 2021 is much more encouraging. Just give us a snapshot of what's happening in the business.
4: Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Um, this was another um, great achievement of the global Siemens Healthiness team. Yeah, we had um, revenue growth of 13%. We closed. Um, the historic transaction um, of the combination with Merion, yeah, the clear leader in in cancer therapy, and as you said, we were able um, to raise the outlook again to now um, target 14 to 17 percent growth for this fiscal year.
0: There was some concern, of course, that uh, medical companies would be impacted on an ongoing basis by the pandemic lockdowns and the primary healthcare focus on the virus itself. Tell us a little bit about the reopenings that are happening now. I presume that's in part why you can lift guidance.
4: Yeah, so there are um, three aspects to this. I mean, on the one hand, we see um, that um, globally procedure volumes are back to pre-pandemic levels. Um, Secondly, we can benefit from the COVID-related special demand and um, when it comes to um, the part of the business which is not directly procedure related, this is when it comes to investment decisions in uh, imaging equipment or cath labs and so on. We see a good momentum in Europe and Asia, while the U.S. is still muted. Yeah, so all the growth we have seen is um, without contribution of the U.S., but we see the U.S. Um, market coming back here with already a strong order growth, which also gives us um, confidence for the future.
3: Uh, about yeah, really good to see you. And great to see a good set of numbers as well. I've just been on your website. In fact, I'm still there. And, and, and again, just following on from Jeff's question, the thing that I notice at the top of your website is a leap in cancer care, a leap in impact. That, that's your statement at the top of there. And it, it's not about COVID. It's about other long term illnesses. Can we now get back to in any meaningful way, focusing on these other devastating illnesses rather than just our primary focus on COVID-19?
4: Yeah, absolutely, and I mean this is also why um, we have made during this uh, during this pandemic the the historic combination with variant, because in the long run, cancer is the much bigger pandemic, yeah, Um, much more threatening. And this is where we, with, um, as the global leader when it comes to imaging, when it comes to lab diagnostics, when it comes to uh, minimally invasive therapies and variant, when we team up, can bring cancer care to a new um, level and eventually with the target to fear the world, uh, to, to free the world from of the fear of cancer.
3: Yeah, here, here to that on cancer. Look, Ben. In terms of a debate that Jeffrey and I have already kicked off this Monday morning as well, talking about inflationary pressures, I, I feel it's really important to ask every person in your position. Are you seeing big raw material prices? Are, 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 prices, are you a- able to keep your margin? Are you able to send that on to the customer as well? Do your workers uh, actually come back to you now and saying, we need bigger pay rises now, there is bigger CPI in the system? Just wondered what your thoughts were on this debate.
4: So, um, of course, we have our eyes wide open. Currently, um, we as a high-tech company, yeah, uh, we are not uh, so dependent on raw material prices. It's also not about you know labor in the traditional commoditized form. So from that point of view, um, it, it is a topic to have an eye on. Yeah, but not um, the, a key thing uh, which which keeps me awake at night.
0: Given how much cash flow the business is throwing off at the moment, then um, what are your intentions with M&A going forward? Obviously, you've uh, put a deal to bed already here that we've just discussed. But what plans do you have for the rest of the year?
4: Yeah, I mean, mean, as you said, I mean, we had uh, a a truly um, historic transaction. Yeah, so the sixteen. Uh, billion, um, re, re, uh, uh transaction with Varian is of course uh, first to be um, to be on the one hand digested, yeah, but on the other hand, it's uh, it's, a, it's the big focus of the business now. On the one hand, yeah, to to live through the rest of the pandemic and then to turn this into a success, yeah, so that M and A is currently not the main priority of what we are doing.
0: Yeah, and um, it was interesting that uh, you, you talked a little bit about the geographical support uh, you're getting at the moment. Uh, and some markets are back to where they were pre-pandemic and some markets aren't. Um, how optimistic are you that we will see the trend, at least in your Western markets, continue to improve as the vaccination rates go up?
4: Um I'm very, very optimistic. Yeah, I mean because in the end, um, um, especially I mean, we see a very strong, a strong Europe now already, and in the U.S., it is um, it is very clear that the market will come back. Yeah, when when customers um, decide to invest again, yeah, because they see uh, procedure volumes are back. With the procedure volumes, um, their their cash flow will be um, is back to normal levels. Um, and they uh, will free up um, the the budgets, yeah, which have been frozen partially um, in the last year. Um, and um, I mean, with uh, with a little bit of luck, we will even see a bit of pent up demand. Yeah,
3: just let's go back to um, dare I say it, this, the topic which we've all been dominated by for the last 15 months or so, Ben. Um, antigen tests again, you know, strong revenue line for your company on antigen tests. Do you have any questions about the validity, about the efficacy of antigen tests? I, I, I had a very strenuous debate with one academic a little while ago on this channel uh, who was questioning antigen tests quite aggressively as well. But you have less problems with obviously, I presume. Uh,
4: exactly, yeah. So, I mean, we have to look at. Um what is the special situation we are in? I mean, antigen tests are exactly the right tests when it comes to a pandemic. It is not, you know, when it when when in in the normal course of uh, of healthcare when you uh, when it's about rare diseases and you really want to know. Uh, by 100%, yeah? <laughs> do you have, I mean, an HIV <laughs> infection or not? Yeah, This is a, a very, very different question than managing an entire society where yeah, um, the antigen test needs to be compared to having no test. Um, and it need, doesn't need to be compared to what would be the best possible test at this moment, because for millions and millions of people, you just cannot do the best possible test. But um, it is important to have a very good test and one which is available, which is affordable and gives you an answer right away. So this is why antigen tests have a place. But um, with the pandemic going away, also the um, antigen tests will go away.
0: And uh, just before we let you go, I just wanted to to get a situation check. Um, What is the outlook on the um, ultrasound business for sale, not for sale?
4: So ultrasound is a is a um, business where we are um, where we are developing a very good momentum we had many um good innovations on the system side hitting uh, now and we have um we have a very good um catheter business the ultrasound business requires a different setup and um, then the rest of the business It's a faster paced business it is it goes across different specialties so we are currently in the process of setting it up in an in an ideal form and this is raising interest but that's all what is happening.
3: Ben really good to speak to you sir thank you very much indeed for your time we learned a lot today. Ben Montag who is the CEO of Siemens Ears. So coming up on this show for all of you out there who don't worry about pensions or don't want investment advice, there is one or two people you should listen to. And those people you should listen to include Warren Buffett and his partner in crime, Charlie Munger. If you do nothing else in your life, just listen to what they've said about a few of these products. And they've also been warning about inflationary pressures ahead as the billionaire investor says the U.S. economy is red hole. We'll have plenty more on this after the break.
0: Welcome back. Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway has reported an 11.7 billion first quarter net profit, bouncing back from a loss last year thanks to a market rally that boosted several key investments. The business also saw its cash pile surge to more than $145 billion at the end of 2020 as the pace of buyback slowed. In a virtual shareholders' address, Buffett defended the company's decision to back away from stakes in airlines. Lines last year.
2: Imagine if Berkshire was the 10% holder, which they had been, of everyone in the airlines. They said, "Take it up from Berkshire." <laughs> I mean, it's it'd be like one of our. They would have had. They might have very well had a very, very, very different result if they'd had a very, very, very rich shareholder that owned eight or nine percent. That uh, and they didn't have that. Uh, you know, when they went in. <laughs> so, our, you might not have gotten the same result. In fact, I would, I would think you probably wouldn't. I mean, I can just see the headlines now. I mean, they you know, because you've seen the headlines on some companies that took a 100 million or two, you know, and really didn't need it. And some of them gave it back and most of them gave it back. Uh, but you're, look, you're actually looking at a, probably at a different result than if we'd kept our stock.
0: Meanwhile, Buffett called the US economy red hot, warning Berkshire Hathaway may face headwinds from a potential rise in
2: inflation. We're seeing... Very substantial inflation it's very interesting i mean it, it we're raising prices, people are raising prices to us ah uh, and it's being accepted i mean it's not uh if we get well you know take home building i mean uh, you know the cost of we've got nine home builders and uh, in addition to our manufactured housing thing and, and Uh, operation, which is the largest in the country. So we really do a lot of housing. (laughs) Uh, The costs are just up, up, up. Steel costs, uh, you know, just every day uh, they're they're going up.
3: Well, that's what the youngster Warren Buffett said. I say youngster because he's a mere 90 years old. Now, if you want to hear someone even older talk, who actually talks just as much sense well, how about Charlie Munger? He's uh, Buffett's longtime business partner. He's 97 years old, by the way. Uh, he also gave his take on the recent surge in demand for
2: cryptocurrencies. Those who know me well are just waving the red flag of a bull. <laughs> of course, I hate the Bitcoin success. And I don't welcome a currency that's so useful and to kidnappers and extortionists and so forth the, Nor do I like just shuffling out a few extra billions and billions and billions of dollars to somebody who just invented a new financial product out of thin air. Look, you're not going
3: to hear a very aggressive conversation between Jeffrey and I over the next couple of minutes, because we probably agree with 90 percent. In fact, hundred percent of what Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett is saying about things as they are at the moment they just talk sense with their 187 years between them they've been there they've seen it and whether it's on SPACs as well uh, I mean Charlie Munger they're uh, talking about the threat to civilization the fee driven further from this as well you've got to remember and this is part of the the rhetoric that Jeff and I have had for a long time as well is there is so much money going around, sloshing around in the system as well, and that will lead to the inflation points at the moment as well, is how can Warren Buffett and his vast amount of resources that he has available to him not find those assets? But all these nouveau geniuses in SPAC world can find the good value in these assets as well. You've got to remember Warren Buffett has been struggling to spend his enormous cash pile for years now. He's got $145 billion, dollars sitting there waiting for good assets waiting for the right part uh, of the tide or in the part of the economy as well and yet a lot of these SPAC guys apparently these ladies and gentlemen in SPAC world think they can do it better than Warren Buffett over a longer term period of time well good luck to them have a look at his comments on that Now, let's get back to the inflation debate very quickly on this one just one more thing from me we're raising prices people are raising prices to us and it's being accepted If that's not inflation, I don't know what is. You want to see inflation? Look at chip prices. You want to see inflation? Look at the markets. Uh, Look at used car prices, which are absolutely surging at the moment. There is inflation left, right and centre. I guess the only question, and going back to uh, Mrs. Yellen's comments on Meet the Press, Jeffrey, is is it transitory or not? Some of it doesn't feel particularly transitory.
0: And I don't think we're going to find out ultimately until we get to the back end of the year and we figure out exactly what these supply chain issues have meant in terms of the ability of companies to lift prices and impose those price rises. So I think the jury is still out and we've we've got two sides of a market on that story. I, I just wanted to go back to the point that you made, though, about the growing cash pile. It's very interesting, I think, that here you've got Warren Buffett on the one hand talking about the red-hot US economy but finding it difficult to allocate cash into the economy to make um, uh, additional um, acquisitions uh, for the portfolio and we know what what did he do last Uh, he bought some gas assets from Dominion Energy and he put a bit of money into Japanese uh, commodity trading companies so he obviously has a sense of where he feels that this money is going to find a home and we've obviously seen commodity prices rising as people have tried to put that excess capital to work here. But I think it's very instructive that he's finding it difficult to make further allocation. The cash pile, uh, according to some of the forecasts I've seen, is expected to rise to in excess of £170 by the end of this year. And at the same time, he is slowing the pace... Of investment into his own company through the buybacks. I mean, they did talk about another six billion, but that is way off the pace we saw in the third quarter of last year, where they were up to nine billion. And the filings do suggest that that pace is slowing at this point. So, if you don't think necessarily that you should be investing more in your own stock and you don't think you should be buying more assets in the US economy, but you do think that the economy is red hot, what does that imply about where you think? the future opportunity is going to come from. And it it suggests to me that Warren Buffett already is uh, very nervous about the levels um, that markets are at and the asset price inflation that we currently have just about everywhere, Steve.
3: Yeah, I mean, just two two more points I mean you've you've said it all beautifully as well Uh, again I'll go back to the inflation debate just one more time as well the National Association of Manufacturers I found this comment in the FT today in the great article about inflation financial times National Association of Manufacturers found that 76% of its members saw increased raw material costs as their biggest challenge in 2021 their biggest challenge is all the challenges out there not COVID uh, not employee situation but raw materials as well and there are enormous bits of stats the same article talking about whirlpool raising prices i think it was between yeah five and twelve percent this year they expect it to have a one billion dollar hit this year from higher input costs as well how and then plus dare i say it there's a small matter of two trillion already having been agreed to boost the u.s economy plus another four trillion dollars four trillion dollars fiscally potentially coming down the pipe as well Again, it seems almost inconceivable. That plus the expansion of money money supply we've seen, which we haven't even talked about hardly at all in the last few weeks as well, the huge historic increase in money supply we've seen with the Fed not in a hurry uh, to cut asset purchases anytime soon as well. The ECB not in a hurry to cut asset prices at any stage it seems as well. What's that going to do? Money supply, asset purchases, fiscal increases, raw materials going through the roof. It's just transitory, apparently.
0: Uh, well, let me just uh, share with you a, a bit of a conversation I had with someone in the construction industry uh, over the weekend, which I think is very interesting, because obviously somebody's price increase is somebody else's costs, uh, uh, as you've been pointing out there. If you are budgeting on a project and you borrow money from the bank according to that budget, and then suddenly you find that your costs have gone up by a magnitude of 5 to 10%, You suddenly have a problem because you need to go back to the bank and ask for additional money or the bank will come to you and say, actually, we're a little bit concerned about getting our money back, given the higher cost run rate we're now seeing in your industry. So there are reverberations to any of these price increases beyond uh, just some of us feeling a little poorer it will have consequences for the plumbing of the financial system. So just keep an eye on uh, where potentially some of these whack-a-mole issues may pop their head up. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
1: Or join us again on this show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.